Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We hope that you're blessed by this message. Now, we, we have been gone for seven months, and God really put, I'm like you. I, I have been quarantined to my home. My kids have been quarantined from school and, and, and all the chaos that we're seeing, right? I'm just like you. I'm experiencing things just like you. And in that time of COVID and staying home and going through all the things we went through, the Lord really did a work on my heart, and he said, the end of times are near, We are seeing the end of times, and he really put on my heart, we're in the book of Matthew normally, but he put on my heart, and he gave me this title, This Side of Heaven. What does that mean? I've got a door on this stage, and all through this series, this door is going to represent where we are today, all of us, okay? The Bible says that we are in this world, but we're not what? We're not of it. What does that mean? So this door is a visual example. We are in this world. Right now, we are on this side of the door, okay? And while we're in this world, this is temporary, okay? And the Bible says that believers, we are the salt and the light of the earth, and we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God is living in us, and so we're here. But this is not our home. This is a temporary place. One day, and we're gonna talk about this, we are going to enter in to the afterlife. All right? We're entering into heaven, okay? And it is promised. Some of you think, well, that's depressing, Pastor David. I came here tonight to hear about death. No, because on the other side of this door is eternal life. And so we can't be focused on just here. We need to be focused on what's on the other side of this door. And so I know that you are all coming in here with all kinds of concepts and preconceptions, but let me just give you a rundown of what this series is gonna look like. First of all, it's three weeks. Thank you for coming out on week one. Next week, I'm gonna teach you on, the title is called Ready Ourselves, Look Up, and Live Right. We are to be readying ourselves and we'll talk about that later on. What do we need to know and do, and how can we prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ? Then the final week, the title is called The Promised Final Home, What Happens the Moment I Take My Last Breath on Earth, and What Do We Know About Heaven? Okay, so that'll be, that's kind of a bookend type of a series. But tonight, the title of the teaching is Signs That We Are at the End of Times. And so I just want to start out by saying this. In the last seven or eight months or nine months, we turn on the TV, and if you're like me, you're listening to ads, whatever's going on, and and the first thing that pops in your mind is, is that a truth or is that a lie? You with me? Raise your hand. Am I being lied to or is that the truth? And to be honest with you, it's a gray area, isn't it? We are living in an arena of grayness right now. And if you're like me, I wanna know truth. I wanna know what truth is. When people tell me things, I want to know and believe that they're telling me the truth, but that's not what what is happening in the world today. And so in this three-part series, we are going to go to the Bible, which is always 
100% truth. God does not lie to you and I. And so that's why we are going to cling to the scriptures. I'm gonna have scriptures all over this screen. Don't try to write them down. Just write the address and you can look later, okay? But we're gonna go to the truth. We're gonna go to the promise of God and we're we're gonna make an assessment through this series of what we need to know that is absolute truth because no one else is gonna give us the truth. No one else is gonna speak truth to us. We're in a world of untruth, but when you walk in here, the truth will be taught. So I want you to understand that, and especially in this year, 2020, right? Some of you are buying 2021 T-shirts already. I'm thinking about it, right? I've got a whole array of shirts that I'm, that I'm probably gonna start wearing, but we wanna know with what's happening in the world today. If you wanna know what's happening and how to deal with it, go to the Word. If you wanna know what to do in days that we're experiencing, we are to go to the Word. So look what Jesus said, first of all, to his Father in John chapter 17. He was praying three prayers in this chapter. Look what he says in a prayer to God, his Father. He says, sanctify them in the truth. You know who them are? his disciples, us. Sanctify them, Lord, in the truth. Your what? Your word is truth, okay? So as we talk about the end of times to come, the rapture, the great tribulation, I think it's important for all of us to write down Point number one, I have three points tonight. Point number one, write this down. The end of times is not the end for believers of Jesus Christ. It is not the end for us. It is the end for for this world and the people of this world that do not know and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But church, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it is not the end of time for you. Take courage. That's an amen, because remember, we're what? We're passing through, we're passing through. We are temporarily placed here on earth. Now, Jesus does not abandon us on earth like orphans. Now, understand this. We are and will witness signs of the end of times, leading up to the rapture, and the great tribulation, but we will not be left behind to experience the tribulation. You understand? So take comfort, relax, it's all good. But until then, we are seeing the signs of the end of time. So let's talk real quick, what is the rapture? The rapture is the the rising of the church. The church meaning not this building, the church meaning you and I, believers, the rise in the church. We are going to get caught up. We're gonna go with Jesus. The rapture is when Jesus Christ comes back and takes every Christian that is still on this earth and resurrects all of those who have died before us prior to Christ, and we all go up to heaven immediately with him, okay? So when it says the dead will rise first, That is the Old Testament reference to those who believed in what God was saying and Jesus hadn't come yet and they died. They will come and be with Christ as well along as with us. And we'll we'll talk about those signs and what that looks like in a little bit. But look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. And this describes the rapture event happening. For the Lord himself 
will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet who? The Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord for a day. Forever. So you have a reservation. You don't have to make it. We have a reservation for when this happens. It's a free fast pass, okay? We're heading up there and we're going together. Now, this scripture and what we're talking about, there's there's prophecy. I know we're all into prophecy. I know some of us are are, are reading and listening to every prophecy pastor that we can right now. You probably should because we wanna know what's going on today. We wanna know why things are happening today. But I want you to know that the rapture is Bible prophecy through God's word, and it shows us today that the rapture is absolutely, hear me, the next event on the prophetic calendar, okay? We've met all the other things that are in there. The next prophetic event will be the rapture. We know that. Okay? And after that, there will be a seven year great tribulation here on earth. Now, I'm going to talk very quickly about the tribulation. What is a tribulation? The book of Revelations, you can just jot this down and read on your own time. But in Revelations chapter 6, 8, 9, and 16, describe what the tribulation will be like after we leave this place. After we go through this door and we go to be around the throne with Jesus, that will describe what the great tribulation is. For three years, there will be great peace everywhere. And who's responsible for that peace? The Antichrist. The Antichrist is responsible. Everything will look good. He'll have all the answers and he will rise up and then he'll turn against those who follow him. I don't have time to break all that down. But then in in the tribulation, the last three years of tribulation, for those who turn their back on Jesus and refuse to accept him as their Lord and Savior, who are left here, left behind, okay, those people, they, well, they will experience hell on earth. Let me just share with you a couple things that are happening. More than 50% of the people left on earth will die. One-third of all the earth's vegetation will be burned and destroyed. Worldwide famine will be like never seen before. And I'm not talking about feed the children. I'm talking about around the world. There will be a shortage of food. Wars will leave a river of blood that will extend for 200 miles, Revelation says. So there will be war, there will be famine. Matthew 24, you see it up on the screen. This kind of describes the magnitude of like we've never seen before during this tribulation. It says, for then there will be great distress. That's what tribulation means. It means suffering, long suffering or distress. It says there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. So it will be a significant event that we've never seen or known before, nor will it ever happen again. Now, there are several signs of the end of times that we all need to be aware of. That's why you're probably here tonight. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. 
The Bible has given us signs to look for that indicate this prophetic event the rapture. And so you may say, and I know there are some of you, and I know you, and you've been in church, you've been in church longer than me. And I apologize to you long-term Christians. I got saved at the year 2000, never too late, right? 35 years old. So I didn't have a mom and dad that raised me up. Some of you have been in church all your life, and you're probably thinking, well, Pastor David, I've heard about this rapture over and over and over and over and over again. When is it going to happen, right? And, and, and I know, we're, we're impatient. And some of you may say the rapture should have happened 40 years ago or 100 years ago or 10 years ago. But I will say to you, and I'm gonna give you some examples, how many dates have come and gone that, that was predicted that the rapture would happen? And how was it predicted? It was predicted by man. Let me give, and that creates impatience, right? It's kind of like a birthday or an anniversary with your wife or a, or a monumental birthday, and you know it's coming, you know it's coming. It's like, psych, it's not your birthday. Or psych, it's not your 50th year anniversary. <laughs> it, 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 it's that way. We get ready, a man tells us when, when the rapture's happening, and then it never happens, and we walk away not believing this, so the problem is, the first problem is that people predicted and set a date. That's a problem. Be careful, okay? I'm gonna give you some examples, and, and, and if you're here, just shout out. I'm an interactive guy, just knowing. Just, you can just say amen when you remember or agree or even you were there and you, were, you remember this. Walter M. Simmons, The Day of the Lord. The world ends on September 10th, 1979. Anybody in the house? You remember that? Shout amen. No. Thank you. Some, Steve, I figured you, did you have that book? Did you buy it? No, thank you. <laughs> Lindsay, man by the name of Lindsay, boldly declared the rapture would occur before December 31st, 1981. Here's why. He was attributing to the aligning of the planets, which would unleash earthquakes. He took one passage out of the Bible, the signs of the end times, and he said, well, if the planets are going to align, we'll have a lot of earthquakes. That must be the rapture. Here's another one. In 1992, you all remember this, David Koresh, who lived in Waco, Texas. What did he call himself? <laughs> the Messiah, a false prophet. And he calculated that the end of the world would occur in 1995. And I'm not a hater, but listen up. Recently, a man by the name of John Hagee, love him or hate him, I'm not here hate speeching, but I'm telling you, he put out a book, The Four Blood Moons. This book claimed that the end of the world was based on scripture in a book out of Revelations chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. The book of Revelations chapter 6, 12 says, and and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. I remember that as well. And I remember he preached a series on that on TV. Some of you know it. Some of you are very familiar with it. Why did he predict the end of the world or the possible uh, 
perception of a rapture because of the four consecutive total lunar eclipses, which was witnessed on April 15th, October 8th, 2014, April 4th, 2015, and September 28th, 2015. Okay? The problem with all this is that we are so eager for Jesus to return. We sing songs about that. I, I listen to a song, My Soul Longs for You, on the way here, and it's talking about, come, Lord Jesus, come. There's nothing wrong with wanting the Lord to come back, right? We even joke about, Jesus, come get me now, <laughs> right, when things get too tough. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do that. Look what, look what the passage says, why we need to be careful that we don't listen or follow somebody that claims that they know when the rapture is going to happen. Look up on the screen. There's a couple here for you. But about the day or the hour, that's talking about the rapture, no one knows. No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, Jesus, but only the Father. Matthew 25, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. 1 Corinthians 14, in a flash, in a twinkling of the eye, like a thief in the night at the last trumpet. So we see from this passage that no one knows the return of Jesus except God, okay? These are the passages that we need to cling to. And there are a lot of false prophets proclaiming the date of the rapture. And I'm going to say to you right now, church, if you are currently listening to a pastor or a false prophet that tells you they know when the rapture is happening, you need to stop listening to him. Because if he's going to lie to you about that, he's going to lie to you about other principles that are super important. So don't listen to him. Turn away. There's only two reasons why man... Will, will proclaim or appoint a date that he knows the rapture's coming. You ready? You'll love this. Number one, he takes the glory from God. He takes the glory from God. The rapture is all about the glory of Jesus coming to take his saints. It's not about the man trying to hear this special message through prophetic word from God, and then the date comes and goes. Anybody want to be that man in that city, in that town, or in that church? I don't want to be that guy. I know better not to take the glory from the Lord. The second reason why people do this, and we'll see it over and over and over till Jesus returns, to make money off of it. I'm just being honest. <laughs> if I can make a profit off of it, I'll say it. Be careful, be careful. Even the disciples wanted to know, and they said, they came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, when are you coming back to get us? Look at the verse on the screen, Acts 1, 6, 7. Let me prelude what's going on here. Jesus has just got done telling them, I'm leaving you. I'm done walking with you for over three years. I'm going to heaven. I'm gonna endure the cross for the sins of the world, of all of mankind. And then I will send my Holy Spirit. So he's got these disciples like, man, Peter says, can I go with you? No, you're staying here. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? They wanted to go. So he's got them settled down. He's got them on his plan. But look in Acts. Now, this is Jesus. He's already hit the cross. Right before Acts 1-8 where he says, wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you to go and do what you're supposed to do. But look what he says in Acts 6 and 7. We miss this a lot. Then they gathered around him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, 
Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. This is from Jesus telling his, even his disciples, don't do it. Don't pick a date. It's not your business. It's your daddy's business, okay? And so in Acts chapter three, here's what happens. Peter's there in the crowd and hears this question to Jesus when he appears to the hundreds after his resurrection. Peter in Acts chapter three, the most boldly thing that he preaches to a crowd, he understands that Jesus would come back and he began to preach it. Let me read you what he says. Repent, you know this verse. Peter says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you. He's talking about the rapture. He's saying, turn and repent so that Jesus can come back. Verse 21, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophet. So Peter got it. This is one of the lessons Peter got. But the thing is, Peter just didn't know when Jesus was coming back. Now, here's the thing. The Lord promises his return, but it's gonna be in God's timing. The second thing is God's timing, timing is not like our timing. Let me look up on the screen, 2 Peter 3, 8, but do not forget this one thing, you know this, dear friends. When the Lord, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Let me say that again. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. If he promises that he will send his son to rapture us, it will happen. But understand, his time is not our timing. We're impatient people. I'm an impatient person. God is not impatient. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you and I, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. Do you see how he's buying some time here? He's buying time so that the gospel goes out, that the churches stay open, that the churches stay open, and that we preach the gospel to those who want to know about Jesus and live a life of eternity with him. He's giving us his time. So church, don't be impatient, right? God knows what he's doing, and God's timing is everything. So let me just say this, events such as earthquakes, diseases, war, dispute among the nations, persecution against Christians, they are all leading signs of the rapture. There's two places in your Bible. Please bring your Bible to Wednesday nights. Open your Bible first to the two places, and we're gonna break it down, um, and we'll be done in 15 minutes. Two places. Number one, first turn to 2 Timothy, New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. Y'all still with me? Okay. Probably want to mark your Bible and put a paper in it or something because you might need to turn to this before the end of 2020, who knows? Second Timothy chapter three, verse one, and I, I encourage you to make little comments in your Bible if you do. 
Look what Jesus says, or look what Timothy says here. But mark this. In other words, take note. Here's the truth. It's coming. There will be terrible times in the last days. And I'm going to just kind of read to you. I journaled this. So when I went through this, again, I'm telling you, Wednesday night's like a Bible study. So if I'm going to get up here and teach it, I've got to, I've got to absorb it and make notes for myself. I've got to reflect on the passage. And I'm just going to share with you my journal as I go through this, okay? Verse 2, people will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves. I'm not against Facebook. I use Facebook. I think Facebook is a wonderful tool to get the gospel out. But I also think that we're living in this me generation. And, 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 and you know, I, again, I'm not hating, but it's like it's the me generation and there's, there's all these, you know, social media things that are just, what are they focused on mostly? It, it, it's us. It's, it's, it's our value is what people think of me, Right? And so your stock kind of goes up and down depending on how many likes you have. And we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it, including me. But people will be lovers of themselves. Lovers, look, just keep looking, lovers of money. Here's the question. When I meet millionaires, here's the question that I'd like to ask them. How much money is enough? If you make 100,000 a year, is a million enough? If a million's not enough, is two million enough? If two million's not enough, is, is five million enough? You see, there comes a time where we go, money doesn't really matter to me. We've got to be careful that that doesn't become our idol. We'll be lovers of money. We exchange God for the protection and value of money sometimes. We have to be very careful, but it's saying this is what it's going to look like at the end of times. People will be lovers of money, boastful, proud, Abusive, disobedient to their parents. Quick question. I know I got parents in here. I'm a parent. Parents, are we dropping the ball on parental raising of our children? Are we teaching our children to respect others? Are we teaching them right from wrong? Or are we defending them when our kids get in trouble and we bail them out and we don't allow them to experience consequences. I know that's a bad word today, consequences. And I have to evaluate myself. If you don't like what's going on in the world today, ask yourself this question. Do people respect authority? I don't have to answer it. You answer it. I'm just saying disobedient to their parents. Well, what does God set up parents to be? Authority. Okay, I'm not saying we have perfect kids. I don't have perfect kids, but I do battle hard to teach them to respect authority, okay? Are we doing that as parents? Ungrateful, ungrateful. People will be ungrateful. I just jotted this down, first thing that came to mind, generation of entitlement. Generation of entitlement. Are we, where are we at? Do we have work ethics? Or do we have this attitude, what are you gonna do for me? What are you going to do for me? I'm entitled. They're ungrateful. Anybody that, says, that thinks they deserve what, what, what the other person, can I pick on you? If you work hard all your life and you're sitting on a million dollars, God bless you, brother. You worked all your life. 
you, you worked hard and you deserve that money. Entitlement and ungratefulness is someone sitting here that says, I want what you have, but I'm not willing to do what you do to get it. Ungrateful. If you work hard, you know you're grateful for what the Lord has given you. That's all I'm saying. Unholy. Without love, verse three, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited. Here's one, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And church, I just wrote this down. Verse four is talking about us. It's talking to believers, I believe. We once were lovers of God. We desired God. But somehow we've got sucked into this world of pleasure, temptation, and we give in. Many believers are falling away these days. There's some statistics after COVID that says that this church will not be full again at 1045. Or any church. Pastors are retiring. They're leaving because their churches are empty because of this COVID thing. People are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And in the church, a pastor loves you and he wants to protect you from the wolves that are outside these doors. And when we sit down and have a conversation with you and we say we're concerned about what we see, we're concerned about what we heard, we're concerned about what's going on in your life, and whether you like it or not, and I'm not talking about anybody specifically here, so don't get all guilt trip on me, but oftentimes in 20 years that I've been in the ministry and I talk to other pastors around the country, here's what they'll hear. Pastor, you have no right to tell me what to do. In fact, you don't have a right to tell me that that's a sin and I'm leaving your church. Many pastors are afraid to have a conversation with somebody in gentleness and in love. Hey, I'm concerned about you. Are you okay? Is everything all right with you? See, lovers of pleasure, not lovers of God in the last days. Verse five, having the form of godliness but denying its power, appearing to be spiritual, and I just wrote this, appearing to be spiritual to others but not really practicing the power of the Holy Spirit in their own lives. We know enough about God, but we don't believe that we have the power of God in us. And so we don't tap into that supernatural power that we can have. Look what else it says in verse five. Having nothing, and then he says, here's the instructions to the church. He says, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Verse seven, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I wrote this down in my notes, head smart, but above believing in the simplicity of the gospel. Let me make it short for you. Intelligence overrides faith. That's what that verse says. And there are many people that will not believe in Jesus Christ because the gospel is simple. Church, it takes faith to believe in what we believe in. It takes faith to come into these doors and proclaim Jesus Christ in your life. It takes faith for me to stand here and teach this kind of a sermon to you. 
And many people I talk to say, it just don't make sense. They're smart. They're building rockets at Cape Canaveral. (laughs) But they cannot grasp the simplicity and the free gift of the gospel. That's what that verse is talking about. Now, the last place that I want you to turn to, and it's the second place that gives you signs for the end of times is found in Matthew 24. So turn in the New Testament. Matthew 24 will we'll be in verse three. Oh boy. Good thing Dan Johnson is in the commons. <laughs> Security, leave Dan in the commons. <laughs> Little joke there. Dan says, I'm going to hold you to the... Matthew 24, verse 3. I'll start reading. You can catch up. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, and they said, tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Don't you love it? That's what we're all here for. We want to know when that is. Look at verse 4, Jesus answered, and he'll give a list here. Watch out that no one deceives you. For how many? Many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You will hear, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it, that you are not alarmed. Can I just say that's like the most powerful verse that we've read so far. See to it that none of you are alarmed. Do you know we can have peace tonight no matter what's going on in this world? Church, walk in peace. It's all good. It's part of God's plan. We don't have to like it. Part of God's plan. See to it that you're not upset. See to it that you keep your peace. Such things must happen. There's your promise. Such things must happen. The end is still to come. And nation will rise against nation and kingdoms against kingdom. Let me read to you what I found out when I was researching. Russia, this is last year, Russia claims that it built one of the most devastating nuclear weapons of all time in the form of an undersea torpedo with a 100 megatron nuclear warhead that is designed to be unstoppable against all missile defenses and create a tsunami-sized wave 500 meters high and a radioactive storm that stomps out life on Earth for thousands of square miles for decades. And this missile that they claim they have can reach Europe and U.S. bases in the Gulf. That, that's scary because that's a disagreement between two countries and, and everything starts happening, right? That's a war. Verse 7, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of birth pains. And we are seeing fires right now, that have consumed California. I know you're watching the same news I watched. They said they have never seen a season of fires like this before, never devastated as many thousands and hundreds of thousands of acres, right? Let me give you some of the things that I've found and researched. There were something like 29 named hurricanes this season. In 2019, there were a total of 1,637 earthquakes that were registered with a magnitude of five or more recorded worldwide last year alone, spanning from Utah to Turkey 
to Japan. In 2018 was likely the fourth warmest year on earth since record keeping began in 1850. The three warmest years recorded were in 2015, 16, and 17. And 2016 had been at, since 1850, the warmest recorded year. And I know you're sitting in here and you're saying, well, Pastor David, that's global warming. Okay, I, 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 could, I could buy that. I, I could subscribe to global warming and that that are the results. So if that's you and you think that, then here's the question. How do you know that God isn't allowing global warming to bring about more frequent episodes to warn us of his return? Is God not the omega Is he not the creator of the beginning and the end? Does he not use everything to glorify and and fulfill his purpose? Okay, so use global warming. But the scripture tells us more frequent, more consistent, and God is overall. Look at verse nine. Then you will be handed over to the persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. You know what that tells me? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you live in the United States or anywhere in the world, you will be hated. And let me just tell you what I wrote here. In 2019, the number of Christians experiencing high levels of persecution climbed to 30 million, climbed 30 million to 245 million in a total, one in nine Christians experience high levels of persecution. Persecutions, Maybe not in America yet, but around the world. And, and the highest persecution right now is in North Korea, Libya, Pakistan, India, Syria, Egypt, Central African Republic, Turkey, China, Mexico, and Kenya. The highest number of persecution and deaths in Christian believers. I debated whether I would share this tonight because I know it's going to be on the archive, but I'm going to do it anyways. In our pastor staff today with Pastor Mark, we watched a video where Christians in America, in America, are being threatened to be taken to court and are fined for practicing, hear this, for practicing worship and studying the word of God, either in a church building or in homes right now. I won't tell you the states that it's happening in, but we saw interviews of pastors. Let me remind you what the First Amendment says. You think Christians in America, you think you're safe because you live in America, I think I'm safe, stop thinking that. Wake up us sleepers. Here's the First Amendment of the United States of America. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of press or the right of people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Don't forget the First Amendment. I am extremely blessed after watching that video today to be able to stand in Florida, Sebastian, Florida tonight, and to have you come in here without you getting a letter in the mail from our county, from our governor, that says you will be fined $1,000 and taken to court if you worship at Calvary Chapel Sebastian. 
Church, wake up. It's happening. Signs of the end of times. Verse 10, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Simply just by that verse, I would put domination, or denominations, all denominations will not teach all of the Bible. They will substitute sin teachings for feel-good doctrine. That's what that means. But look what God says in Deuteronomy up on the screen. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it. Talking about the word of God. Teach it all, but keep the commands of the Lord God that I gave you. Look at verse 12. Because of the increase, increase, that's the word, underline increase, put today's date. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. In verse 13, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Let me say that again. But the one, church, who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's a promise. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then what? And then Ian will come. Can I tell you that the Gideon group organization has just now gotten Bibles to all the world. A, a pastor friend of mine, Calvary Chapel Dakar, Omar, the elder, is now uh, translating. There's three languages to the village we go to in Sujan, Africa. I've been there twice. We have to skip 2021. It's too risky. We'll go 2022. Omar, their elder, is transcribing and, and getting the Bible into that village's language that is 500 people because they want to learn of Jesus Christ and there's not a Bible that they can read or hear in that language. Okay? We're moving close to the end. The gospel is throughout the entire world and, and beyond. So... Point number three, the last point I want you to read, write down, the tribulation period cannot begin until the church is first removed. So, amen. The reason why Jesus is not here is because you and I are tasked to do the, the work still. And when he's ready to come back, we're done. Punch the time clock, we're good to go. Retirement plan is gonna happen. But until then, church, do what you do. Love on people. Love on people. Sell the gospel. Next thing on the screen, Revelation 3.10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, get this, here's a promise, I will also keep you from the hour of the trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. What is this verse saying? All hell can break loose when Christians are removed from this world, and it will. Remember, and I mean this, Christians are the ones who dare to fight and protect the unborn child. Christians are the ones who should be protecting the sanctity of marriage. The Great Tribulation is a period of time when God's wrath will be poured out onto the world. 
after the rapture and the Antichrist will emerge and the tribulation will begin. Remember, the Antichrist, when this happens, he will proclaim and he will be the imitation Messiah. He will improve global economic situation and he will appear to bring global peace and many will be deceived. The good news is you and I won't be here. So let me ask you a question. You can put your Bibles away and we're gonna wrap up and I'm gonna pray. Church, where are you at tonight? And what I mean is, what happens if Jesus does come back at 1.03 a.m. tomorrow morning? Are you and I gonna be the one that shows up at work tomorrow after that? Or are we gonna be surrounding the throne and worshiping with all other believers? That's really the takeaway of this whole message. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I can't help but to put this passage up on the screen, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And many will say to me, when? On that day. What's that day? The appointed time that we, we, we meet the Lord whether we die naturally tomorrow and we stand before him or whether the rapture hits. But on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, forgive me if I've distorted any of your truth. But Lord, thank you that your truth is spoken through your Holy Spirit to each and every person tonight. Lord, as we looked at these two places in our Bible, may we mark them up. May we turn that page so we can keep going back to it tomorrow, next month, December, when the world squeezes us outside these doors, when things happen and we don't know what to do or turn to, you have given us hope tonight. We can go to your word. We can expect these things to happen outside these doors and we can be okay with it. You told us, don't be alarmed. These things will and need to happen before I return. Lord, it's my prayer tonight that you protect each and every person in this place. And it's my prayer that if there's someone here that does not know the Lord as their Savior, that they would just come up and see me and they would just say, I really didn't know this. I really didn't know if I, if, if I would hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, thank you for what you are doing. Lord, give us all hope and give us all supernatural peace that only Holy Spirit can pour onto us in these days. Lord, protect us, sanctify us, and set us apart from what is going on. May you seal us with the Holy Spirit and speak to us 
when fear rises or doubt or the enemy's whispers. And it's in Jesus' name that we all said, very loudly, as Rachel said, we can scream in church. (laughs) Amen. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of Intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.